a night for spooky sounds. Goblins and ghosties gather around. We'll tingle your spine and take your breath. You'll be quite scared, but not to death. Listen for howls and groans and screams, because this is Halloween at Needless Things. <laughs> Joining me tonight for a very special episode, a long-awaited episode of the Needless Things podcast. First of all, I'd like to welcome to the show, Beth Van Doom. <laughs> I, am, I am a fan of that new name. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, and welcome back to the show, the Glowmania world champion, Bloody Bob Burke. How's everyone doing tonight? And finally, uh, stepping over from the Audible Interlude podcast, Naughty Noel Wood. <laughs> hey, everybody. How you doing? So what we're going to be doing tonight is just going around and making basically a playlist for the listeners. Now, at the end, I will go over everything. So, guys, you don't have to have your pens and pencils and paper ready right now. Just sit back and enjoy the selections. Uh but we're just going to go around and each contribute uh, multiple songs to the first ever Needless Things Dead Man's Playlist uh, your, for your Halloween listening pleasure. Because one of the most important things about getting in the mood for anything, whether it be Halloween, Christmas, uh, Dragon Con, uh, it's having that oral things surrounding you to set the mood so we want to create like i said the first ever needless things dead man's playlist and to start us off with the very first song when you press play beth what you got i am going to go off brand and subvert expectations now i have a story that i'd like to tell about this guy you all know For my first pick, I am choosing A Nightmare on My Street by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Nice. <laughs> it's a great choice. <laughs> Jeff and the Fresh Prince go to see A Nightmare on Elm Street. They are, they are set to ill, as it were. And they thought the movie was death. 
But then when they get home that night, Will gets attacked by Freddy in his dreams and believes it is all just a joke until he wakes up and realizes he's actually been hurt. And at the end of the song, he calls Jeff to tell him to stay awake, but you can hear Freddy killing Jeff while they're on the phone, which is actually a little bit dark, <laughs> especially being a DJ Jazzy Jeff in the Fresh Prince song. It is super, super dark because Jeff has just been murdered. Well, the worst. <laughs> what um, what era of like Freddy did this come out in? Was it like like Dream Warriors, like Dream Master, like time period? Eighty nine. So, so it was. Uh, yeah, it was Freddy, after Dream Warriors. It was four because it came out around the same time as the Fat Boys' "Are You Ready for Freddy," That's which right. did get clearance, but this one did not get clearance. Well, not only are you did "Are You Ready for Freddy" get clearance, uh, and by the way, that was almost one of my picks because that's my preference. Uh, but it actually has Robert England on it rapping. Yes, but Fresh Prince gets more attention by beating the Fat Boys to the punch with the Freddy song. And I mean, this one, there's no disputing that this is a bigger and better known song, even though the other one was actually featured in part four uh, over the credits. Th- this, this is a fantastic song. I mean, Will Smith, whatever you want to say about Will Smith, he he's great. He has a good flow. He's funny. He's clever. His rhymes are good. And this song, uh, you know, doing you, his his unique brand of storytelling, he puts himself into a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, essentially, and it's a lot of fun. He he had like that good run too of like a lot of like the comedic songs, like the Mike Tyson song and Parents Just Understand, and then this. So he definitely had like a good a good run of songs. It's a shame that this one isn't more like more well known as the other ones of his songs. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is one when I play it, because uh, I played it, at, I, I, when I host trivia, I played it a lot around Halloween, and a lot of people are like, I've never heard this <laughs> That Will blows Smith my song. mind. Yeah, because it was ubiquitous when it first came out. I actually know this one better than I know, than I know the Fat Boy song, and this, again, it wasn't used in a movie, and there is no Robert England. Well, that's what I'm saying, is I feel like this one is better known, but maybe to people who younger than us who've grown up on horror and you know it's possible they would know the fat boys song better since it's actually in the movie and nightmare on my street doesn't have that connection or that constant exposure you know i don't know that's interesting it's an interesting thing to think about listeners if you want to uh shoot us a, a tweet about that uh please hit up needless things on twitter and let us know what you think there's you know the real a... crazy thing about about like Freddy and like the Elm Street movies. If you really look back movie by movie, aside from the Dream Warriors, the Nightmare on Elm Street series has not really had any good songs to come out of them that are like featured in the movies or on the soundtracks. Especially some of the later movies, there's really not a lot there. Like there's movies featured briefly in some of the like songs briefly in some of the movies, but there's never been any good like signature songs to come out of any, like, Freddy movies. Yeah, it's weird. I've actually got a better Friday the 13th playlist than I do. Yeah. I don't even have a Nightmare on Elm Street play- playlist. I've got Dawkin and Fat Boys, and that's, like, it. Which, <laughs> by the way, and you Dawkin do and Fat Dead Boys... By Curtis Mayfield, too, so that works wonders. Which is bizarre. <laughs> well, awesome. Great pick. Uh, any any final thoughts about Nightmare on My Street? No, I, I was just trying to mix it up a little bit and not go hard goth. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> there's, there's also there, uh, the radio edit of this version of this song was a lot different um, 
because the part where they kind of explain the, the plot of the movie gets cut out of the radio edit. And I think part of that was because of the legal legalities. All they say is we saw Elm street and word it was death. Um, instead of talking about like this homeboy named Fred and this girl named Nancy. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a few different cuts of it out there. I did not know that. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's a shame this song didn't make it on Freddy's Greatest Hits the album. Right. Yeah. They <laughs> because believe me, there are a couple they could have cut. A couple. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Great pick. Well, now it's time to move on to my first pick. Alright, so whenever we do something like this, there's a difficult decision to be made. Do you pick the thing that you truly, really love the most, or do you pick the thing that you're afraid somebody else is going to pick, and this time around I've decided I have to go with the thing I really, truly love the most, my absolute favorite uh, it's a song that gets played at Halloween. I can't say it's a Halloween song, but... It is. It sets the mood. It's one that I have to hear, and it is "Spider Baby" by Phantomus. It's a uh, cover of the theme song from the movie "Spider Baby," which was originally sung by Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, from the movie starring Sid Haig and uh, directed by Jack Hill. Totally, completely messed up movie. But the first I ever really knew of it was from the Phantomas album, Director's Cut, which features covers of scores from mostly horror movies, but other kinds of movies as well. But it's this bizarre, weird thing that almost sounds like it's, a, it's something you play for the kiddies to get them ready for Halloween. It's, it's, a, it's very fun, but it's very dark. And of course, Mike Patton's vocals on this are over-the-top enthusiasm. Uh, the original movie came out in 1967, and this song definitely has kind of a retro vibe to it, which is something that I love in my Halloween music. And and the original was composed by Ronald Stein, who also composed like a thousand other horror movie songs, scores. Uh, Day the World Ended, It Conquered the World, The She-Creature, Attack of the Crab Monsters, Invasion of the Saucer Men, uh, and tons and tons and tons more. The guy was prolific uh, creating scores for horror films. But this one, every year, this is one of the first songs I have to listen to, I have to play, and I, and I cannot have a complete Halloween without it. And my question is, have you guys even heard this? Yes. I have not. Yes, and I, I haven't listened to Director's Cut in a long time, but it's it's such a fun album, uh, and this is definitely one of the highlights of it. It's It's got a, such a bizarre variety of things on it. Like I said, it's a lot of horror scores, but then there's like The Godfather in there, in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic album. Honestly, it's, you know, I, I, anything Mike Patton's involved with I like, but this is... Probably my favorite non-Faith No More album that he's been involved in. It's just a great listen from beginning to end. 
I'm certain I've heard it because of you know of course, who, yeah, my, of course. Who, who, who my husband is. <laughs> but uh, off the top of my head, it it doesn't jump out at me. But I, I'm sure I've heard it, and there are so many weird, kind of vaguely creepy Italianish things that Mike Patton likes to do that. I'm certain I've heard it, and I'm also certain that I've been creeped out by stuff Mike Patton's done before. <laughs> As have we all. All right, well, let's move on and see maybe if Bob wants to bring us out of this obscure corner into somewhere else. Bob, what is your first addition to the playlist? Yeah, I, well, i got to say, I think mine is definitely anyone who really knows me. This is probably going to be very expected, so we're going to be going with one of my personal favorite Halloween songs. going to be alice cooper keeping halloween alive something he released a couple years ago as like a single for halloween has like a good like surf rock vibe to it it's just the lyrics itself like i'm coming for you this halloween it's my favorite time of year and i'm stealing the scene he kind of just sets the, like the mood and the tone for what halloween is it's just upbeat slightly creepy tongue-in-cheek classic like alice cooper sound while i have not heard this specific song believe it or not I now it's immediately adding this while I'm going to have to add it because we're going to be hearing it in the show, but Alice Cooper blows me away with how he can range from totally embracing camp to doing really interesting, artistic, weird stuff. His, his range in that is crazy to me. He is truly like all over the place too. On one of his last albums, he did one of the most beautiful ballads I've ever heard. Um, on a, it was a, the sequel to Welcome to My Nightmare. It was a song called Something to Remember Me By. It's one of the most beautiful songs you'll ever hear. But then he does something like this, and it's just like this creepy Halloween, talking about razor blades and apples and spiders on your feet. And it's just, it's such a great song. It's a very, like, it's a very classic Alice Cooper sounding song. My question for the three of you is, have you ever seen him in concert? No, I have not. I have not. No. I'll tell you what, if you're even remotely a fan of horror, he is one that you must see. He will outdo any band live that you can possibly imagine. His live show is the stuff of legends. Every performance, he gets decapitated at the end, (laughs) legitimately gets decapitated, and they they pull the head out, and he usually spits blood at the audience um, because he's, he's a villain. So the villain has to pay for his crimes. (laughs) <laughs> His latest stage show is a giant like castle setting, and uh, he's very, very theatric. So again, if even if you're not like totally into the music, visually it's it's something to be seen. And he usually tours around Halloween time and everything. Well, and, over the... uh, even if you look it up on YouTube and check out some of this stuff, it's you've never seen anything like it. Over the course of this year, with, with really not having any live music all year long, I've made a list of acts that. It's made me appreciate live performances, and I want to believe that in the future, like, because every once in a while there's a concert that I'm like, 
oh, I'll see them next time they come around, and I just don't feel like going. I don't want to do that anymore, and I've made a list of next time they're here, I have to go artists, bands, whatever, and he's he's on my list of there's no more putting things off because you never know when things are going to get taken away from us. Exactly. Yeah, like this year. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on, and... Noel, how are you going to lift our spirits back into the Halloween mode? <laughs> well, uh, I've got, I'm going to start off today with a classic. So we're going to go with my very first pick. This is a song that's been covered by a ton of artists, uh, Nina Simone, CCR, Brian Ferry, Marilyn Manson have all had great covers of it, uh, but the original, uh, originally recorded in 1955, but the version you know best from 1956 is by Screamin' Jay Hawkins, I Put a Spell on You. Um, this is pure like horror macabre, um, but originally the song was supposed to be like a story a standard blues ballad and essentially when they got together to record it they brought a lot of food and a lot of a lot of booze and they apparently don't even remember originally recording the song and it came out this spastic uh composition that is just completely unique especially considering something that came out you know 65 years ago at this point in time uh the point where uh a lot of radio stations wouldn't play the song because of how much screaming and howling and just insanity is in it. Um, and it actually changed Screaming Jay Hawkins and his whole persona because initially he was a pretty straightforward blues performer. After he started performing this song, he actually started wearing like capes on stage and put on this, this like kind of vampiric persona on stage. They actually referred to him as the black Vincent price, um, in the media at that time. Uh, but it's one that is always the top of my list whenever I'm going to seek out some uh, some Halloween inspired music. This is, and there there are a couple of you go on YouTube. There are a few live performances of this that are awesome. And you're right. I don't know that I've ever heard a bad cover of this song. I'm sure they're out there, but the ones that you mentioned are all fantastic and are all in my like Halloween hard drive, basically. Yeah. Uh, but and and they're they're all good but his there's something so and and it's interesting i didn't know the backstory of the song there is something so raw about his version that none of the others quite capture that that take it up a notch from anything else well yeah and especially considering like you can listen to brian perry's version which is a a beautiful ballad um or like you know, the nina simone's version and it's mind blowing that it's the same song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and actually going back to Alice Cooper, um, 
Alice Cooper and Marilyn Manson and other and Kiss and other shock rockers like that really owe a lot to Screaming Jay Hawkins because he was kind of one of the first ones to do that sort of act on stage. Well, he brought that sort of macabre sensibility into musical performance in a way yeah. that you know, yeah, you're right. Everybody since there, not everybody, but you know, all of these artists since then have have taken and and run with. It's funny that maybe if someone who doesn't really know a lo- enough about this song might not quite grasp like the like the creepy aspect of it. You know what I mean? Like they might not get that vibe from it. They might just kind of hear it as like someone's like not romantic but kind of like like an infatuation type thing they might not they might not really get like the the deeper meaning of it well it's funny because without the visuals of you know like noel said the nina simone version um without the visuals of screaming jay hawkins or marilyn manson or whatever it, it is something that's a little bit different, but it also lands in, because this is a category I love as well, is songs that are in our Halloween playlist, just because of the word, like, like spooky little girl. That's in your mm. Halloween playlist. It's not a horror song or a scary song, but it has the word spooky in it. And this has the word spell in it, and it's a reference to sort of magic, so we throw it in there. So it, it, even without... Uh, the Screaming Jay Hawkins persona, it fits. And and I love that kind of stuff just as much as I love the overtly spooky stuff. Yeah, when this when this first got proposed uh, as a podcast topic, I was like, oh, I know what my number one pick's going to be. So thankfully somebody else didn't take it. Well, now it is time to move on and find out what our number two picks are. Uh, Beth, what is your second addition to the Dead Man's Playlist? Well, now I'm going to go to the dark place <laughs> because my second pick is. She leaned herself against defense just for a kiss or two. And with a little pen knife held in her hand, well, she plugged him through and through. Henry Lee by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Oh, good choice. From the album Murder Ballads, which honestly I could have probably picked any song off this album or... Probably pretty much any Nick Cave song in general at all. They're all a little on the dark side. But this one I especially like because it's a duet with him and PJ Harvey. Oh, wow. And their voices work so very well together. And if you've never seen the video, please look up the video on YouTube. The number one comment describes the video to a T. It says, you're watching two people fall in love while they sing about murder. (laughs) And the gist of the song is that PJ Harvey is trying to seduce Nick Cave's character, and he's got a girl he wants to get back to that he he doesn't love PJ Harvey. He wants to get back to his girlfriend. So she whips out a knife and stabs him to death. Fun. And then 
And then she dumps his body down a well and says, hey, guess what? Your girl at home's going to be waiting a long time. If that doesn't say Halloween, I don't know what does. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now this is, I'm, is there any, when, when did this song come out? Oh, goodness. Murder Ballads was in the mid-90s. Okay, well, what I'm wondering, because Henry, 96, sorry. wasn't, uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, wasn't his name Henry Lee Lucas in that? Yes. It was, but I don't think this was... There are songs on Murder Ballads. It might be, but there are songs on Murder Ballads about killers. It was actually a toss-up between this one and the one where he sings with Kylie Minogue about a guy who takes a girl down to the river and smashes her head in with a rock. Aw, sweet. Mm, <laughs> adorable. You know, love. <laughs> Yeah, this is, this is a great anyway. song. Well, excellent pick. I have no thoughts on Nick Cave. My Nick Cave experience is limited to when I saw him perform at Lollapalooza and wondered <laughs> wondered why I was seeing what I was seeing at Lollapalooza. That was a great performance. <laughs> I'm sure and it, it was. was me and like 20 other people sitting there <laughs> watching him. <laughs> at the time, it was not my bag. But now, as it will be added to the playlist, it will become my bag. All right, which brings it around to my turn again, and uh, this is tough, you guys, because like I said, there's there's a couple that I know other people might grab, but then there's the one that really, really stabs me right in the heart. And that is Dracula's Tango, Sucker for Your Love, by Toto Quello? Noel? Quello? 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 My my whole plan, because I knew you were going to be on this episode, was to ask you how to pronounce that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know I I eat cannibals, and that's more or less my extent of my knowledge about Toto Quello, but I've always heard it pronounced that way. That's more or less the extent of everybody's knowledge about Toto Quello. That is the much better known song that also deserves to be on everybody's Halloween playlist, but they also performed a song called Dracula's Tango that is one of the poppiest, danciest, most over-the-top, ridiculous, silly songs ever. The video is available on YouTube, and I highly recommend everybody go watch it right now. Uh, This was recorded in 1982, and it's just... It's so much fun. It's so ridiculous. And and I every single year uh for, for since I discovered this song I don't know 10 10 11 years ago, uh I've been posting it and sharing it and hoping that people will appreciate the ridiculousness of this song. Uh it is a tango, but it's like a 1982 style tango with the, the these female vocalists talking about how much they love Dracula uh, Dracula Dracula there's there's a concept um and how they just are a sucker for his love uh 
I, I love this song, and it's it, it. To be honest, when I first found it, uh, I didn't love fun as much as I do now. So it took a minute to really embrace it. I was like, this is too ridiculous for me. But then I kept listening to it, and it's it's just. It's it's wonderful. It's lovely, and it's the Halloween. very idea of something being too ridiculous for you boggles my mind. <laughs> well, yeah, but you've you've known me when I've pretended to be more serious and like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like I've been kind of not kind of a wet blanket in the past about silly <laughs> things. It's only in the past like ten years or so that I've really, really like been honest about how stupid I like things to be, uh, <laughs> and this is peak Dave silliness and stupidity. Now, have any of you clicked on the link in past years when I've shared this video and gone and listened to the song and watched the video? So I just realized because I just found five seconds and listened to it. I was like, oh, I know this song very well. I did not realize it was Toto Coelho. Um, but I know it very well from list. They, they played a lot on the on Sirius XM, some of the dance shows uh, on like the '80s channel. The, the okay, okay. So yeah, and I think I probably have clicked on your link at some point in the past too because I remember watching the video, which is wonderful. It's filmed in like a, uh, it looks like a Hammer Horror Castle. Actually, no, I take that back. It looks like a Full Moon Studios castle. Uh, and all right, now I need to watch it. <laughs> they they danced their way through the castle in very 1980. The in the 80s, there was this style of women's pajamas that that tread the line between lingerie and sleepwear. And uh, just go watch the video. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to admit I I'm going to admit I've never touched your links. I'm sorry. I think you will enjoy it. That right. sounds personal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is time to move on to find out if we are going to have fun or if we are going to have fear. Bob, what is your second addition to the playlist? Taking us to a little, little more of a mellow place right now with my next pick. He walks tall and carries a butcher knife The boogeyman only wants to take your life Can kill him off, he'll just come right back In part two Boo Baby, let me sing you a scary song Put on your Halloween mask And sing along It's a creature feature, baby From dusk till dawn Baby, let me sing you a scary song. This is Wednesday 13, Scary Song. This song was originally released um, back when he had the band Frankenstein Drag Queens from Planet 13. He did it in 1998, but the version that I really want to talk about today is a version that he re-recorded in 2014 on his Undead Unplugged CD. There's something about the lyrics to this song acoustically sang very softly that makes it even more a little more disturbing, a little more creepier. It's it's very Halloween. I don't really know what else to say about it other than that it's just it's one of those songs that really gets me in the Halloween mood. Um kind of gives you the feeling of like you just watched a scary movie, you're kind of afraid to turn the lights out, you're afraid to get in bed because you don't know what's under there. 
I'm not sure if any of you guys are familiar with Wednesday 13 at all or the, uh, the murder dolls. Oh, I'm definitely familiar with Wednesday 13 and that murder dolls. Okay. Um, Dawn of the Dead is yes. Uh, well, that whole album belongs in sort of the the overall Halloween playlist, but Dawn of the Dead specifically has made it into like because sometimes I'll do one that I plan to be sort of CD length, and that's made it into a bunch of the ones that I've have made over the years. But I don't know that I've heard this one specifically. You said it was originally recorded with the Frankenstein drag queens from Planet Thirteen. It's originally recorded by them, but it's more of like a metal version. The CD he did called undead unplugged the whole cd is like a regular halloween listen for me i it's in my car all year round i usually don't even have it i won't even put it on but then come like september october it's regular rotation like in my car or on my ipod because it's just the whole the whole cd is very like halloween-esque and just it's just it's the whole thing is very creepy there's something creepy about like these songs about murder and and killing and monsters well and, they're done acoustically and soft-spoken it makes it a lot creepier well and i like having a few because for the most part i think stuff that we're going to be listing here is a little more upbeat a little more exciting things going on but i do like having some slower more down-tempo things in there in the mix so it's not just constantly uh you know you, you got to have your down times yeah I'll tell you what, this entire CD, if you if, if any guys even remotely like Wednesday 13, this is one to, even, I'm, I'm sure it's on YouTube, you can listen to the whole thing on YouTube or whatever, Undead Unplugged is definitely something you will incorporate into your Halloween playlists. Pretty much every song could fit. Awesome. This just happens to be the one to me that is like the most Halloween-esque. I have no idea what this is, so I'm writing it on my list. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll definitely I'll be checking what, it out I, afterwards. Just uh, like you know, list, listening to you guys throughout the years and everything, like Beth, I know you're into some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you will probably really dig this. All right, I'm on it. Awesome. All right, and that brings us back to Noel. What is your second addition to the playlist? well? Not to put too many down, kind of uh, mellow or melancholy songs in a row, uh, <laughs> but for my second pick. I'm going to go uh, with a song from 1983 from the uh, the second album uh, by the Violent Femmes called Hallowed Ground. Uh, the lead song on that album is called Country Death Song. And it is about uh, a farmer who lives with his wife and daughters, but he finds himself so incredibly bored, he just starts making plans to kill his own kind, as he says in the lyrics. Uh, he lures his daughter out uh, to go explore some caverns, but instead he takes her to a well. He asks her to look down at the well, and he shoves her down into this bottomless pit. And, spoiler alert, uh, after he kills his daughter, he's so uh, stewing in his own shame that he goes out to the barn and hangs himself at the end of the song. 
Um, it is, it's miserable. It's depressing. Um, it's so dark. And if you only know the violent films from their first album, uh, which most people are familiar with, like, uh, blister in the sun and add it up and gone, I'm, gone. I'm raising my hand right now. <laughs> the, so their second album was, it was not very well received. Um, I Gordon can't Gano, imagine why. Well, Gordon Gano's uh, put a lot of Christian imagery on this album. A lot of, I guess people thought it was ironic at the time because they just figured, well, why is this band who was known for these songs singing all these songs about Jesus, but he grew up a son of a preacher man and he was, um, he was throwing a lot of stuff like songs like Jesus walking on the water and it's going to rain that are all like very spiritual and gospel themed. Um, but the song, I mean, but the whole album opens up with this just dark, depressing, uh, and it's just his, his voice, uh, everything about it. Um, I, the first time I heard it, uh, like I didn't get introduced to violent films like most people did with blister in the sun. I got, introduced with stuff from a little bit later on and i actually think i had a hallowed ground before i had their debut album so this to me is like peak violent films i can't believe i forgot about this song yeah it never even occurred to me before so yeah Yeah, it's it i I don't know it's a great song though but i will be adding it (laughs) yes yeah I'm, i'm definitely looking this one up when we're done this this sounds incredibly dark oh my god <laughs> all right yeah it's i mean it's, it's essentially like it's a folk song it's a you know but it's a it's a very dark depressing folk song all right beth it's up to you to bring us back into the party zone <laughs> can you do so- it sort of <laughs> ish um for my third pick i am picking what i feel like is a pretty obvious song but it, it might not be for everybody. I don't know. Um, so for my third pick, I'm going with. Bloodletting the Vampire Song by Concrete Blonde. That was and on again, my I list. Like, I feel like it's pretty obvious, but but apparently not because I'm the first one to choose it, and here we are in round three. Um, <laughs> it is very obviously a song written with heavy influence from Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's writings and such. I was a very, very big Concrete Blonde fan in the early 90s, as well as a very, very big Anne Rice fan in the early 90s. Don't judge me. It was the 90s. We all did stupid stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And and now, actually, I'd much rather listen to this song than read an Anne Rice novel. So I'm making progress. I'm getting better, guys. (laughs) I... I love this song. I hate I I really didn't know anything about Concrete Blonde other than I absolutely hated Joey. Well, I mean well, every yeah. sane person did. <laughs> um 
but I discovered this song as I did a lot of the, the, and very few of them made it onto this episode, but in the future, you know, I'm sure they'll come back. A lot of the Halloween songs that I love, I found while working at Spencer gifts years and years and years ago, back when it was still called Spencer gifts, uh, they had a Muzak system and it, it was this giant box and you would plug in, it was almost like an eight track and you'd plug it in the front and there were different themed ones. So for Halloween or, or for this time of year, they had a specifically Halloween one. And that's where I heard this song for the first time, believe it or not, which is, it seems crazy because you'd think anybody who'd ever been to any kind of like industrial night or goth night at a club would have heard this. But in all my years, the masquerade, the chamber, wherever I had not heard this song and I heard it on this music system and loved it. Uh, and, and it's, it's fantastic. It's such a great moody atmospheric song, but it's a little, uh, you know, that bass, it's a little funky. It's not a downer by any means. It's just a no, really cool song. You, can, her, you her... can dance to this. This isn't, yeah, this, yeah, to yeah. me, this is an upbeat song. This is yeah, my most, chorus. my most upbeat song. It should, I mean, it should be played in the clubs and what it was, uh, recorded in 1990, right up the road in Athens, Georgia. And I don't know how I went. Well, you know, that's interesting looking back now because I probably heard it in 99, 2000. So it wasn't even really all that old uh, when I first heard it. But yeah, that was what an amazing assortment of music was on that Spencer Muzak list. And I (laughs) I wish I could get the full list because I had to sit down and write the whole thing down from memory at one point. Uh, because it wasn't, it was just this box that said uh, Halloween on it or, or something along those lines. Like it didn't have a track listing or anything. Uh, but yeah, fantastic song. I love it. And it was actually my number two. Like when I sat down to make my list, I just started listing songs and it was the second thing I put on my list. Well, I was torn between this one and Tomorrow Wendy, and this is far less uh, depressing. <laughs> yeah. Better known tomorrow, song, but yeah, Tomorrow, tomorrow Wendy is song, also great. But yeah, Bloodletting is way less depressing. You know what? Considering the bulk of this list so far, you kind of need something you can get out there and shake your ass to a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're shaking your ass to Tomorrow Wendy, it's in a sad, sad way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to keep the ass shaking going on because it is time for my third pick. I'm going to be a basic Halloween bitch and say Dead Man's Party. Oingo Boingo. Uh, it was on uh, my list, and I knew you'd pick it. Yeah, I, I figured that you had this one. So. <laughs> it's too... It's, uh, look, and it was tough between this and No One Lives Forever, but Dead Man's Party is... I could have sat down 
and just made a list of songs that everybody figured would be on any Halloween playlist. And, and I have no problem with that because I love the obvious stuff as much as I love the weird stuff. But we, I, I had to. I had to. This had to be on here. Uh, it's from this, the album of the same name, recorded in 1986. There's so many different versions of this song. There's the album version, the video version. There's a B-side edit. There's the Party Till You're Dead mix from the 12-inch single. There's a different mix on a fantastic compilation album called Now That's What I Call Halloween from the Now series of albums. <laughs> uh, but the Halloween one is great. If you don't have it, get it. There's Again, there's obvious stuff on there, but it's such a fun collection of music. Uh, and then there's the version they did on Boingo Alive, and then there's the live version from Farewell. Uh, you, you can't go wrong with any of these. But the weird thing to me is that this is truly one of the ultimate Halloween songs. If I had to make a list of, of five songs for Halloween, this would be one of them. But it got its big exposure from the movie Back to School with Rodney yes. Dangerfield <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr., such a good movie. Yeah. That whole scene is amazing when they're having the party. Oh my god! It's well, it's one of those because in the eighties, movies had party scenes that made you think you were going to be at parties like that in your life. <laughs> and I feel like that's what me, I call I, marine I, biology. Can, can we get a class action lawsuit against the eighties movies for this? Seriously, because I never went yeah. to a party like that. I, I'm very disappointed in that when I grew up. I have been to exactly one party that not only lived up to the idea that movies put in my head but surpassed them uh, years and years ago uh, atlanta zombie apocalypse had sort of a closing season halloween party and it was like a movie halloween party and it's probably one of the best things i've ever been to in my life uh there was a misfits cover band where the singer didn't even sing he just held the microphone out over the crowd the whole time because everybody <laughs> knew the songs nice. uh and then there was a room with like uh, techno music playing, and then there was another room with like crazy. It was it was incredible. But this Dead Man's Party sums up the vibe that I love about Halloween. It's a party, but it's a little spooky, but it's a little weird, but it's crazy. Danny Elfman's face staring right at you. Uh, it's it's. I love this song. I think. I can't imagine not liking this song. Like, there are certain things that I like that I'm like, I get it that some people don't like this thing. Like, I get that Wilson doesn't like Rob Zombie. I understand. I, I don't agree, but I understand. But this song, I can't imagine playing it for anyone and them just being like, this isn't that good. <laughs> you know what's great about this song, too? I mean, like, when, like especially like, like us four, like we hear Halloween, we're thinking creepy, spooky, scary, a little sick, demented. This song proves that a Halloween song doesn't need to be any of those things. It could just be good fun. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, you throw in a horn section, you're making it fun. A hundred percent. That's and true. I, I was actually torn because I was l looking at getting ready for this podcast, and I was like, well, Dave's going to pick Dead Man's Party, but damn it, No One Lives Forever is my favorite Oingo Boingo song, and it's still pretty dark even though it's so super upbeat because, again, throw in a horn section – you got a happy song. Well, and that's, again, Dead Man's Party is kind of the ubiquitous song, but No One Lives Forever is, is, is really my preferred of the two. But I can't in good conscience uh, throw a song about, uh, or that references a dog's mortality <laughs> into our fun party list. 
You can murder your family in the South all day long. Totally but fine. Don't talk about the potential for dogs to die. <laughs> <laughs> all right, time to move it on. Uh, Bob, are we going to keep partying or are we going to become a little more creepy and introspective? I'll tell you what, I'm taking things in a completely different route. I'm doing a total 180 on you guys with my next pick. I'm going to kind of cheat here a little bit, kind of, sort of, kind of taking a cheap way out here. I'm a huge John Carpenter fan, as I'm sure we all are. His scores are amazing. The entire Halloween 2018 soundtrack is among one of my favorite things he has ever created, specifically track number seven, The Shape Returns. Just the perfect creep Halloween vibe. Absolutely incredible soundtrack. It's one that, again, it's another CD that gets full play every year for me regularly. Um, this track in particular, though, it's kind of like it takes place in the movie like when Michael does come back in the movie and it's played over him killing everyone throughout the town in that one awesome scene. Yes. Um, starting starting with the hammer. Yes. And it just goes. And this is the, the track that plays during that entire sequence. Um, this whole soundtrack is just very Halloween to me. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> give, I'll, I'll give you a good example, too. So last year. I went to, like, a haunted attraction, as I'm sure we all do. Um, out here where I am in New Jersey, they're all on farms, which are in the middle of nowhere. So I'm usually going, like, late at night to these things. I'll try to go, like, towards the end of it so you can get, like, the really scary, creepy vibe to it. There was one night in particular, the one that I left, it was, like, 1 o'clock in the morning by the time I got in my car to leave. It was extremely foggy. Again, these things are in the middle of nowhere. It was pitch black, no streetlights foggy as can be and i have this thing on making like it's kind of playing with my head a little more thinking like i'm gonna see him any second well so while maybe maybe this isn't something you necessarily put on like your party playlist to me this is the type of thing where if you want to get yourself in the halloween mood this is what you listen to all of john carpenter's scores are absolutely fantastic well as horror scores anyway they they all go on they're all like i mentioned before the halloween hard drive they're all in there uh and this score in particular though i think is so fantastic because if you're a fan of john carpenter it's probably been a long time since you've truly loved anything john carpenter john carpenter has done uh you know he's at this point in his life i think he's just sort of enjoying living and making music but then to have this this return to his one of his original creations, you can feel the enthusiasm and also the fact that he's working with his son on this yeah. uh, and on all the music he's making now. But yeah, this this whole album is fantastic. It is. It really is. You know what? I'm even going to take a step further. I'm going to kind of combine two picks into one real fast and also say, if you like this one, whether or not you like the movie, the Halloween 3 soundtrack is just as eerie and creepy. Yes. 
That yeah. was actually another one of my picks, but I'm going to kind of combine the two <laughs> and just say a big motherfucker John Carpenter party going on here. On the Halloween 3 soundtrack, the, the third track, Drive to Santa Mira, is so moody and atmospheric, it's amazing. And if you can get your hands on it, I don't know if it's still available or not, but Mondo released it on vinyl, and it's this insane like trick-or-treat bag of an album like you actually unfold the cover and it's got all this stuff inside it's really wild that sounds nice it's it's it took me a long time to give in to the deliciousness that is halloween three but yes i i fully appreciate it now and the thing in halloween are among my favorite movies of all time not just by john carpenter just of all time so i i turned on a spotify playlist when dave said hey do this podcast and the first thing that came up on every single Spotify playlist I pulled up was the Halloween theme song. Of course. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing more Halloween-y than John Carpenter. You know what's great about the, like, the, just the Halloween theme? There's so many versions of it, too. So you have the hollow, like the original version. Then you have the Halloween 2, like, disco-y type version. Yes. Then there's the Rob Zombie version, which I know a lot of people mm. shit on those movies. But his version of the song is pretty good. I love both of Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. I actually like I the second too. one a little bit mm. more. But um oh gosh, who did the music? It's drive I just totally fell out of my head. I was about to say it. He's he works on every is uh, not Bear McCreary, oh, the other guy. Shit. Um I don't know, but anyway, the those <laughs> versions are fantastic and then Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did a remix of the 2018 John Carpenter version. That's awesome. That thing is sick. That is, yes. it, it, they took something so creepy and made it even worse. If yes. That's possible. Yes. That, so good. They did. They really, really did. It's interesting. So yeah, if, if you haven't heard that uh, for the listeners, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who, who've done all kinds of work in scores now, uh, did a remix of the 2018 Halloween theme. And it, it's, it's really atmospheric and weird and good. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. So basically, Bob, we're going to go ahead and just call your third pick everything John Carpenter ever released musically. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's, that's definitely fair. That's you, fair. You can't go wrong with anything John Carpenter for Halloween. Yeah, yeah It's going to be a long playlist. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Noel, what is your third entry into the Dead Man's Playlist? So I actually felt bad uh, because everything was so dark and depressing there for a while. Um, I went and took a left turn, and I pulled something that was not on my initial um, list of songs. But I feel like this one, you can't make this list without this song. So my third pick... is from 1984 and it's very appropriate because the song is every day is Halloween by ministry. Yeah. That's actually on my list. Yeah. It's, I, I, it was one I toyed with. I was like, should I do this? Is someone else going to do it? But we got to round, we got all the way to round three and it hasn't been said yet. So I figure, um, I gotta, I gotta throw it on here. Uh, of course, 
this was between the time that Ministry was doing really silly synth pop back in the early 80s on Arista Records. And, of course, the stuff that most people know them for, which is the agro-industrial metal um, that they pretty much started doing right after uh, this single, um, 1984. And, yes, I mean, this is this is like the goth kids' anthem um, at this point in time. It's talking about living with snakes and lizards and other things that go bump in the night. And, like, every bit of the lyrics here is just... You know, all of the Halloween imagery you could possibly throw into one song, uh, Al Jorgensen and, and, and Pals threw into this uh, great, and it's a fun, danceable, you know, techno, uh, it's kind of early proto, like, techno-industrial stuff, but it's, uh, you know, I, I, I can't go without hearing it every Halloween. That was what I was going to ask you, because I figured you'd be more of an authority on it. Um, I When I, back when... Psalm 69 hit, I was huge, huge metalhead. So it was, it was something different, but it was right up my alley. And then when I started looking into ministry a bit more, I ended up with a copy of With Sympathy. Oh, my sympathy. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, not what I was looking for. And then I got Twitch also, and that's not a reference to the streaming service. That is an album by Ministry, which is a little bit a little bit more of an edge than with Sympathy, but um, but also not, not what I wanted. Right. So my question for you was was going to be: Is this part of because depending on what day of the week it is, Al Jurgensen disavows early Ministry. Uh, I think maybe at this point he's kind of accepted like. No, no, that's what we were doing. Because for a long time, he blamed the record label on them sounding like that. Yeah. Which I don't buy at all. Uh, and I think now he's kind of settled into, yes, that's the just the music we made at the time, because that's the kind of music people were making at the time. So is during the Jurgensen denial years, <laughs> was every day is Halloween part of what he disavowed or did he kind of embrace that do you know uh you know i don't think he really embraced it that much but i don't i don't think he disavowed it quite as much as he did the with sympathy era stuff um I, of the many times i've seen ministry they don't play anything live from this era obviously no, no. uh nothing <laughs> earlier than uh land of rape and honey right. gets played live but um but i i, I think that he's probably just because this is to a lot of people, this is the best known ministry song. I would say a lot of people don't even know who ministry are probably, but know this song just because it gets played a lot, especially on like retro radio around Halloween. Well, it's a fantastic song. I I love it. Uh, it, and it is, it's an interesting, it's more Twitch than with sympathy, but it's definitely not Psalm 69, but I would be interested in hearing ministry play it now what they would do with it because it's 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 kind of a weird thing in that people are aware of this song but i don't know that it really has a huge presence in the sort of playlist that we're making tonight i I think it's almost fallen by the wayside a bit yeah but so when i when i play it and i said i i host trivia and one of my favorite is i've not hosted trivia now in seven months because of the world that we live in right now. Sure. Uh, but uh, Halloween trivia is always my favorite thing to put together a, a, 
a bunch of questions to ask, but also a playlist of songs. And whenever I play this song, I can have, you know, kids that are in their early 20s or I can have adults that are in their 50s. And all of them are like, oh, I love this song. I, you know, I just heard this for the first time a few weeks ago, or I haven't heard this song in 10 years. So I think it's, it's on a lot of people's, like it's, it's in the periphery of a lot of people's minds. I am a person who likes the synth pop ministry much better than I like the (laughs) agro ministry. Shocking. (laughs) I know. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of that meme that's going around right now with the old lady with the walker and the <laughs> yes, next to her. Yeah. Did you know that ministry used to be a synth pop man? Oh, all right, man? Grandma, let's get you to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I see it, I'm like, damn it, it's totally true. Yeah. Well, you guys, it is time to wrap this thing up. And one of the things that I love to do. Uh, is a speed round where we go and uh, just have a few words maybe about our final picks rather than a full conversation. So it is speed round time for the final four songs to be added to the 2020 Needless Things Dead Man's Playlist. Death, what is your final pick? This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 Okay, out of the list that I have remaining, I'm going to choose This is Halloween from the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack because I watch it at Christmas and I watch it at Halloween and it works for both. Yes. Now, is this the movie version or the Marilyn Manson version? Uh, the movie version. Okay, all right. <laughs> How Fair dare enough. you even ask that? <laughs> Am I the only one that prefers the Manson version here? <laughs> I like the Manson version. I like them both. I, mm. I wouldn't say I prefer the Manson version, but I really like it. I think it's interesting. Uh, well, all Manson. I, okay, so I have this weird soft spot for Manson covers because I really like what he does with other people's work almost yes. more than I like his original work. <laughs> I love yeah. I love his covers way more than I love his original. Yeah, he does some great covers. All right, well, he does a lot of covers of covers. Well, yeah, that too. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, my final addition to the playlist is there's a monster in my pants and it does a nasty dance when it moves in. Monster by Fred Schneider. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't even think of that one. There's This is essential. There's a monster in my pants, and it does a nasty dance. Come on, oh. monster. <laughs> I love it. With Kate Pearson on backing vocals, it's fantastic. Everything uh, Fred Schneider turns to gold. Well, that's true. That's true. Because once we do our Christmas playlist, oh, there's, there's another period. Fred Schneider song <laughs> that goes on that one. Uh, all right, Bob, what is your final pick? I am going to take things in a different direction yet again, kind of in line with what Beth did. My final pick is... Grim Grinning Ghosts from the Haunted Mansion Riot at Disney. Nice. Beautiful. How could you not listen to this at Halloween? This is like... It's just perfect Halloween mood, but it's so upbeat. Well, and it's another one that there are a lot of different versions of, you know, not yes. just people covering it, because I think, oh, it just fell right out of my, I was getting ready to say there's a Los Lobos version. It's not Los Lobos. <laughs> it's, it's, it's somebody else. But anyway, uh, there are also just several different versions that Disney has released in various forms. Fantastic song, every version of it. I recently heard a metal version of it. I forget who recorded it, but I was turned on to a metal version of it. Oh my God, it's incredible. All I'm right. gonna have to like comment or something on the 
when you when you post this online, I'll post a YouTube link to it because it's it's unreal. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Noel, it's all on you, buddy. You're adding the all final right. song. Encore. Well, since uh, we've had a we've had a handful of movie and other uh, like TV and stuff themes here uh, recently, I'm going to have to stick with one of those. So my final pick. From 1987, the theme to Joel Schumacher's The Lost Boys, Cry Little Sister by Gerard McMahon. Yes. Uh, it's such a perfect, like, gothic rock anthem with, like, a, a children in the chorus and uh, the pipe organ crescendo. And the movie works so well. Like, the movie would not be half as good as it is without, without the song. And the song just ties in so perfectly to the movie that they're they have it's like a symbiosis the song like haunts you even after you watch the movie it sticks with you creepy kids man creepy kids every time i'm not a big fan of lost lost boys but this song is in my halloween hard drive it's awesome yeah it's a great, and great apparently song. when when Joel uh, Joel asked uh, him to write this song for it, and he didn't give him any guidelines. And even though the song has nothing to do with vampires or the movie or anything, he said, "You nailed it. Nobody could have ever done that any better." And he just threw it on. This is the theme song of the movie. Hard to believe that guy went on to make Batman movies, isn't it? <laughs> that's well, that's another just, argument. It's just a different kind of Batman. <laughs> You guys, thank you so much for contributing to the Needless Things Dead Man's Playlist for Halloween. Uh, before we go, I want to go around and you can share where we can find you online and what you're doing right now. Noel, let's start with you. Uh, you can find my writings on dorkdroppings.com as well as the writings of a few other people that are on this podcast right now um, over the years. Uh, you can also find me uh, at least once a month uh, alongside Dave and our good friend Christian on the Audible Interlude podcast here on the Needless Things Network. Talking G.I. Joe. Beth, where are you? What are you up to? Uh I am a part of Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we dork out about Star Wars books, and we're getting ready to record an episode this week about the new Thrawn book, so stay tuned. Yeah, I didn't I didn't finish it in time. I'm I kind of figured it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And finally, the Glowmania World Champion, Bob Burke. What are you up to? Where can we find you online? You can find me on Instagram and Facebook backslash Bob Burke art one word. You can also find me November 7th. I will be appearing at the horror sideshow market selling everything glow in the dark. That is at the center hotel in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I will be there alongside Ari Lehman, the first Jason, Linnea Quigley. And uh, that will be my final event of the year. I want to throw in anyone listening to this. If you come to that event and tell me you listened, I'll give you a free glow in the dark magnet. Nice, and I've got a uh, handful of those glow-in-the-dark magnets, and they are awesome. Glowmania is running wild. Couldn't have any better myself, Dave. Thank you. You guys, uh, (laughs) this is the Halloween playlist, but I'm going to play us out with the seminal, greatest, truly most Halloween song of all time, and that is Halloween by the misfits copyright be damned 1981 let's go fire, 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 fire.
listening to a needless things podcast you can follow needless things on facebook twitter instagram and at needless things love you mean it uh-huh